are listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. like the bad guy when you have to tell everyone to stop talking to each other, but I'm going to read this morning's teaching text, which comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. All right, my friends. Feels like it's been a minute. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I took a little time away. We did a couple of travels, my family and I, and we were privileged enough to cross uh, the Atlantic and spend some time in Portugal with half of New York City. Um, <laughs> And it, it was an amazing time. And we had to take this eight-hour flight back with a three-year-old toddler. You may have noticed him earlier running laps uh, during worship. Uh, so you could imagine uh, the anxiety of walking onto an eight-hour flight with that ball of fun. Um, if you don't know what it's like, I, I would explain it this way. Uh, being on a transcontinental flight with a toddler is like, it's like being really gassy and walking into the DMV. <laughs> Bear with me. Like, <laughs> no one wants to be there. You just want to go to where you're trying to go. And you've got this completely natural situation that could chill out and everything will be fine. Or... It will express itself and you will be an instant pariah for people that are already on edge. And so you're just kind of stuck riding the wave. He was good on the flight. Uh, I, I don't, it's, it's not a completely analogous situation. Like my stomach is asked for animal crackers, sure, but never an iPad. Um, and maybe, maybe that analogy, I imagine, uh, I can see my dear grandmother who I am imagining is being held back right now by 10 of Michael's strongest angels uh, from coming down with a slipper in her hand at the fact that I've mentioned flatulence two, three times now in the house of God. But I tell that, I tell that because I want to give you the, the sense and the vibe of the experience. I want to conjure up the feeling uh, of what it's like, what it was like in that experience. But I guess deeper than that, what I really want to do is, is I want to give you a taste of what it was like to hear a teacher, Jesus, speak in parables. We've, uh, for the last few weeks, been in this series, The Kingdom is Like. We've been exploring the, the kingdom parables of Matthew 13. And I think if we're really going to explore and understand uh, what the scriptures have for us and what their implications for our lives, then we really have to know not just what they say, but we've got to absorb and understand the context 
of what is happening, of how people are experiencing these things. See, uh, our, our text comes from Matthew, dad life, um, random shaker egg. Uh, um, our, our text comes from Matthew 13, and, and what we have here is a scene where Jesus is early in his ministry. Now in Mark, when Mark tells the story, Mark places this, this moment directly after uh, the calling of the 12. And of the three synoptic gospels that mention this scene, uh, John doesn't, the other three do, uh, Mark is the most obsessed with chronology. And so we can take it that this was the scene that we're entering is early in Jesus' ministry. And so you have to remember then the context of what's happening and the people that he's speaking to. Because what they're doing is he's surrounded by this crowd that are checking out this new it guy, the hot new preacher, right? He would have been trending all over Twitter. He'd have been in all your feeds, right? Jesus, have you heard this guy? This is guy, he's out of, he's out of Bethlehem. He's blowing up. So everyone's coming because not only is this guy giving teaching, but he's claiming that he is the long-lost Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. This is huge. And so here, this is one of his first primary discourses about his kingdom. Everyone's been waiting for this king to overthrow Roman occupation. Here is this man who claims to be it, and now they're coming to hear his stump, his political rally. He's about to say the, the phrase that's on his hat. And then he starts talking in parables. And these parables, you know, they, they're weird. They titillate. Doesn't mean what you think, Grandma. Um, and so they're, they're a little confounded because what these parables do, Jesus uses them to do three things. First, he uses them to illustrate. We started with the parable of the sower. It is the only parable that exists in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, all of them tell this story. And so, okay, we all get it. This is an agrarian society. We understand how crops work. We understand the casting of seeds. And so he's using this illustration that connects his truth to people. But then he uses this parable also to illuminate. Okay, we're talking about something familiar, the planting of seeds, the DMV, a plane. But there's some deeper truths that are happening here that you're illuminating and bringing to mind. And that's calling some questions for us. Like, what does it mean that these seeds, for various reasons, some turn into crops and others don't? What does it mean? I've seen seeds that, that get cast away. And you're comparing that to your kingdom. What does that mean for me? And then after he illustrates and he illuminates, he also provokes. And so not only does he give this, this, this parable of these seeds, some that don't make it, very few who grow in the crops, but then he, he doubles down on it with this parable of weeds and this understanding that, yes, even those that grow up to be wheat, well, among them there is weeds, and those weeds will eventually be cut down and cast into fire. We all understand the picture, but the ramifications are quite dire. And so for people, this is provocative. And they're sitting here listening to this teacher, and it's bringing up all sorts of things. I think this is a, a good place to pause and to ask a question before we dive into our teaching text a very short one, but I think a profound one. 
Here's a question I've been thinking on this week. Has there ever been a time you felt dangerously insignificant? Like, have you ever felt the crushing weight of measuring your worth and you found yourself lacking? You feel like you're coming up short. This place, you don't make the cut. I was uh, six foot at 15 years old, uh, and uh, I, I walked into this this big high school. I went from a high school of, of 400 total to 800 in my graduating class. Uh, so this is behemoth of this high school. I'm this big kid. I just come off of wrist surgery from an accident. And I remember coming into this place trying to find my way in this metropolis of, of, of social hierarchy. And the very first day, uh, the defensive line coach comes to my class, literally pulls me out of class, takes me to the office, sits me down, says, do you want to play football? Yes. Okay, well, here's the deal. If you ever need anything, you come to me. I was like, in, immediately. So this like unlocked the kingdom. I was so excited. I was ready to rule in this new, this new society. And this wrist didn't heal like it was supposed to. And for various reasons, I end up not being able actually to join the football team. And I'll never forget when I told the coach I couldn't, and he didn't even really respond. He just said, okay, and he just closed his office door. And then I was done. And there was no more like high fives in the hallway. There was no more like, man, here's gonna be the big man on campus. I was a nobody again. And I just remember being in this behemoth of a school and just going, I'm gonna get swallowed up here. You ever felt like that? That weight is almost you didn't matter and in a way that's very detrimental to your safety, your security, your identity? I imagine that when Jesus is talking in the midst of these parables and as he unfurls them, this is the the weight, this is the, the angst and the anxiety that is rising in the minds and the hearts of his listeners. Because remember, he's talking to first century Israelites. Now, their history starts thousands of years earlier with a man named Abraham, who was the father of their entire family. And through them then, they, they, they are enslaved in Egypt, they come forward, and they have this, this family promise that among them will come the ruler of the earth that from them will come the person that will take away all their pain. They've been like waiting and waiting. Their great, 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 great grandparents. They says, uh, the, the scriptures say there's 42 generations between Abraham and Jesus. 42 generations have been waiting for the fulfillment of being the in crowd. No longer will we be slaves again. And then you have these 400 years from the prophet Micah, it goes silent. This God that used to be among them, this God that they literally used to be able to see in the clouds and at night through a pillar of fire, he's gone. He's not saying anything. He's ghosted them. You up? Nothing. Thank you. (laughs) And so you can imagine then what it was like when Jesus comes on the scene. And this guy is not only talking the talk, but he's walking the walk. He's doing things that people 
really just can't explain. And he's using heavy political language. In Mark, the first thing that Jesus says is repent before the kingdom is at hand. He comes in saying, I am him you've been looking for. The king you've long awaited. And so you can imagine for people with 42 generations of angst to finally have their savior come and they all crowding close to get their marching orders to understand how this new kingdom is going to look like, to find out their place in the social hierarchy. And he starts talking in these stories about seeds. It's like, okay, we're not the seeds, we're the soil Okay, and then there's wheat. Okay, so I guess some of us are wheat. Got it. <laughs> so all the other people, the Gentiles, the Roman oppressors, they're the weeds. Like, we're the wheat? But no, he's talking more general than that. He's kind of expanding it. Okay, so all people, all people are getting these seeds? I thought it was just our family. And then he comes and he says, Oh yeah, even those who become the wheat, say you think you're the wheat, well, these weeds have grown in the wheat and they're so indistinguishable, they're so entangled that you can't even tell the difference. So you don't know actually if you're a weed or a weed, but what I'm gonna tell you is at some point I'm gonna come and I'm gonna throw what you may think is holy in the fire. Wait, what does that mean for me? Am I a wheat or am I a weed? You can see the angst that's building. We, we see it throughout the scriptures, actually, because uh, later in the, in the verses, in, in verse 35, after Jesus is told a few more parables and he goes into the house and his closest followers, the very first thing they ask him is, go, uh, can we go back to the weeds thing, though? Um, could you explain what it means? Like, which one are we again? Actually, we see uh, later in, in, in Mark, uh, James and John, two of the followers of Jesus, they come because they have this anxiety. And, and they like do this thing like my son does where you, you like want to ask something, but you want the answer to be yes. And they're like, Jesus, we want to ask you something that we, we want you to say yes to. So go ahead and say yes, and then we'll ask you. And he's like, what do you want? And what they ask for is they say, hey, when you come into your kingdom, could we be on your left and you're right. What are they asking? Again, Jesus is using heavy political language of the time. Their understanding of kingdoms is through kings and courts. And so what they're saying is, Jesus, we want to make sure that we're on the in crowd. We're fishermen. We flunked out of religious elite school. We did not make it to the Ivies or that school in Harvard or in Boston. You know, we're just... We're just normal people, and so if you're going to be a king, I really want to just make sure that we have a place in your court and that we're not the serfs, that we're not the weeds that are going to get burned up. And so they're looking for security. Jesus admonishes them, tells them, hey, if you understood, well, to sit in those seats, well, it requires, there's a high cost to be paid. This is the angst. How does this kingdom of God work? Do I have the standing and do I have the worth 
And do I have the dignity to be at Jesus' table? Or is he going to cast me out, as we've seen kings cast out lowly people before? And it's at this point in Jesus' unveiling of these parables about his kingdom and about how he works, we have today's text, which I think is so profound in light of everything that we've just discussed. Let me read it to you again. Verse 31, Matthew writes that Jesus says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So again here, Jesus is illustrating something. Jesus compares the kingdom of God, the vastness of 42 generations of angst, that coming kingdom, he compares it, if you want to know what it's like, it's like a throwaway run-of-the-mill seed. The smallest, it's a mustard seed. Mustard just is native to the region. It just kind of grows. It's not even like that. It's not even actually the smallest seed. That would be the black orchid. It's just a, it's just a seed. There's nothing even special about it. And he compares it to his kingdom. And he tells them, wow, yeah, this, this vastness, this grandness, this, this, this majesty, as is, is, is Antony talked about earlier, that evokes people to like weeping and gnashing, this, 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 this greatness and grandness that leads people into instant confession, yeah, it takes the form of something every day in common, minuscule almost worthless. And in this illustration, he starts to illuminate something. That God takes common, ordinary, insignificant things and he grows them. Jesus in this parable says this this kingdom of heaven is this, this minuscule mustard seed that a man takes and sows in his field. And it's the smallest of all seed, but when it grows, it's larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree. Now, mustard, mustard plants aren't actually trees. They're, they're really just shrubs. And depending on the mustard, it, it can grow to various heights. But the black mustard seed that was common in Israel in this time, it can, under, under good sun and favorable conditions, it can grow pretty tall. And Jesus uses this, this hyperbolic image that, this, that God's kingdom takes these ordinary things and he grows them beyond their limits so much so that when people see them, they are convinced there's something fundamentally different. This can't be a plant. This is a tree. It's hanging over my head. Wow. Wow. And then he provokes them. It's larger than all the other garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. God takes these ordinary things and uses it for extraordinary purposes. A shrub becomes so big it's taken for a tree 
And then that tree becomes a refuge and a home for the birds. Now remember, this is the second time that Jesus has actually mentioned the birds in this discourse. The first time is in verse 4 when he's talking about these seeds that have been discriminately sown. The gospel is given, right, and it's falling on soil. And for some, what happens with seeds, birds come and eat it. And so there's this parallel to these these Gentile people. Remember, these people, these Israelites he's talking to, are waiting to be his chosen people. And so he's provoking them with these kind of subtext that, oh, I know what he's talking about earlier. These seeds, these good seeds, well, those birds, those Gentiles are going to come and they're going to snap them up. And so we've got to like, we've got to stay away from those people because they'll, they'll steal our shine, they'll steal our glory. And yet here, Jesus is saying that the very kingdom that he's coming will raise up his people into a shrub so big it's a tree and it's a home for those very birds to make their nests, to live their life among them. The kingdom is expanding so the out crowd mixes with the in crowd and it's indiscriminate and all all is grown through and by God. What? What? Implications of that is huge. The reality is so much devastation in this world stems from that feeling of being insignificant. Right now, we turn on our TV and we watch small men invade people's homes. because they feel it will give them the worth or the former worth they once had. So much brokenness has come from feeling so small that we have to make ourselves large. We have to boast and and push ourselves up. We've got to have the right number of followers and the right number of likes, and we've got to have the right shoes and the right this and the right wife and the right house and all these different things so that we can be convinced we have some worth because the truth is, deep down, we're convinced that maybe in the grand scheme of things, our life isn't that important. And my friends, what if I tell you that that's kind of the truth? I mean, there's seven billion people alive on this planet just now. And over history, we're but the speck on this one planet in this infinitesimal galaxy, like this, this huge galaxy, when we're like dirt. <laughs> That's a hard pill to swallow unless it's not the end of the story. If we recognize that it is true on our own, we aren't worth much except for the fact that the God who created this whole thing intentionally uses us and grows us into something with more worth than we could ever imagine, that grows us into a people that, that can actually be a place and a refuge of life for others. There are birds that are so thankful for this mustard tree so they could hide in its shade. Otherwise, they might have been toast. And so while in and of myself, yeah, I don't think history is going to like have any books written about me. 
But maybe by the way that I've lived, there have been a couple of people who found some life they otherwise wouldn't have. And that then makes me, (laughs) gives me some worth, but it's all based in him. You see what I'm saying? This is the implications of the kingdom of God. That we are small, but we are mighty. That we are mustard seeds turning into trees for the birds. So what would it look like for us to be the kingdom in Brooklyn as in heaven? It's something that we throw around here, something that we say, what does it mean? I would offer you this as we close and our band comes to lead us. If we're going to be the kingdom in Brooklyn, which I so desperately want to be a part of, I am not interested in being a part of some grand institution. I just want to be a part of a people, a community, a family. If that's going to happen, I feel like it looks like us recognizing our frailty. It's coming to the truth of ourselves. Your job, I don't care how much they pay you, it's not. It may be adding the commas in the bank account, but it's not adding the commas to your your eternal worth. I don't care who's in your your, your contacts list. I might have met some of them. They're not, they're just people. They all have gases four times. (laughs) It won't add anything to your eternal worth. But God, it doesn't matter what you own or how long you've lived here, what if you have a 401k, you have worth more than you could ask or imagine. And he wants to grow that worth. The worth that you have now isn't the, isn't the, it isn't the bottom of the cup. I mean, it's just the start. So if we recognize our frailty and we accept his maturation, if we allow the Lord to then take us and say, okay, I know you're nothing, but I'm turning you into something. I'm imbuing my glory and my spirit within you. I am raising you up to be priests and prophets and kings and queens, sons and daughters of the most high God. I am giving you an invaluable and corruptible inheritance. If you will just but surrender Stop trying to do life your way. Stop trying to cobble out your own faith. Then if we do that, church, I think he will make us home. For people that walk through those doors, this city is chronically lonely. There are people desperate to be loved, to just be known, my soul to just be known. And what would it look like? Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe you've walked through those doors and someone's took the moment to learn your name. My goodness, if we do nothing else, I think we'll have done something good in this city. If we become a people who know each other's names. This is what I think it looks like to become the kingdom of God that we bear one another's burdens, that we share in one another's joys. We cry 
during the breakups. We watch each other's kids. Oof. We watch each other's kids. <laughs> we have dances. And we eat. Gosh, what a dream. What a dream. I think the Lord wants to do it among us. And I think he wants to do it with you. Would you stand with me? We're going to respond. Here's the invitation. It's twofold. Uh, man, maybe you're sitting here today and you're, and you're like, I'm a part of this kingdom, I think. I've been, maybe you've been wrapped up in that angst. You just need to be reminded that being in this kingdom means you have worth, period. No but, no because, just you have worth. So you're in this kingdom, but, but you, you're desiring, man, Lord, use me. I want to give myself to be used to know somebody's name. I want to give myself to be a refuge. I'm going to invite you to come to these roads. You can stand, you can kneel. Just, and I'm going to have the prayer team is going to come forward now. They're just going to come and they're just going to, they're just going to bless you. They're just going to say a prayer of blessing over you. That the Lord would meet you and show you the fullness of your worth and grow you in his maturation. So that's the invitation. If you're just like, I want to be, I want to be home for someone here. And then maybe you've never been in this kingdom. Maybe you're a bird. I just want to invite you, like, just kind of on either sides of these tables that you would just find a space. I think today would be the day that you could take your place in the kingdom. It's not a hard thing. There's really no, you know, no payments of $9.99. All it requires is the courage to just like get out of your chair and somebody's just going to come and they're just going to, I'm just going to ask you to do two things. I'm just going to say, I want to be in the kingdom and they're going to give a prayer of thanks over you and they're going to say, welcome to the kingdom. It's that simple. I want to be in the kingdom. They're going to thank God for that and they're going to say, welcome to the kingdom and you're in. That's easy. So wherever you're at, I want to be home. I want to be in. We're going we're gonna to make those spaces. We're going to take that time. And then in a second, we're all going to come to the table. The band's going to lead us in a chorus, a little simple praise, and then we'll go. Everybody got it? We're ready to go? Okay, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you that your kingdom is made up of mustard seeds. Thank you that it's not about anything I've done, anything I've obtained, anything that I've given, anything that I've become. What a foolish thing that you would just make your kingdom out of people like me. Oh gosh, by your spirit would you call us forward. Call us to become home for someone else. Call us to take our place in your kingdom. So give us the courage to move. Give us the courage to move, spirit, we pray. Amen. All right, so come as you are. Get in where you fit in. We're going to pray for you. And it's
going to be good.